the podcast critics have spoken. Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And? I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh, he did win an award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine, and all-around good guy. And I love the Horrible Movie Podcast. The Horrible Movie Podcast is listener-funded by fans like you at Patreon.com. You can find out more at Patreon.com slash The Horrible Movie Podcast. You're listening to the Studio DNA Network, studiodna.media. Hey guys, uh, Jack here, and we've got producer Phil in the house as well. Phil, what's going on? Coming to you live over Google Hangout. We are uh, trying something out distance-wise. I've got some uh, scheduling stuff. I'm getting ready to go out of town on a conference, uh, and uh, this made sense. But with that said, uh, today is very special because we're bringing you an interview that has not been in a a radio episode and it is an interview we did with kevin eastman that's the co-creator of the teenage mutant ninja turtles actually the 2017 uh, uh interview but uh very timely would you say phil wouldn't you say very timely oh yeah definitely i mean turtles are always timely for me but yeah and- i we're, we're getting ready for planet comic-con and uh you and i just read via email a couple weeks ago or whenever that was that kevin eastman is coming back to kansas city this year so i'm, I'm super excited we thought we'd give uh the radio listeners a great um a great episode with kevin eastman and it's a phenomenal uh listen he tells you his favorite type of pizza too i'm not gonna get spoil it right now you have to listen in uh he's gonna tell you your favorite type of pizza and the uh first person to uh email me that listens to this on the radio kevin eastman's favorite pizza i will mail you 10 stickers congratulations 10 horrible movie podcast stickers oh i thought these were like looney tunes stickers whatever you had laying around the house no 10 horrible movie podcast stickers it's gonna be great first person to email me jack at the horrible movie podcast.com kevin eastman's favorite pizza I will email, I will mail you, not email, I will mail you 10 Horrible Movie Podcast stickers. Might even throw in a t-shirt. Just telling you, Jack at thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Hey, let's do this. You're All not, right. not going to be able to guess it, by the way. It's not like pepperoni or something. No, it's very special. Uh, and it has to be exact detail. So anyway, Phil, uh, let's do this. This is an interview from uh, Kevin Eastman uh, that he did with us. And it's phenomenal, man. We're talking turtles. Uh, and then on the back end... Uh, of the interview, make sure you stick around. We're going to be talking about Turtles movies. Teenage Mutant, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, uh, the original one, uh, the second one, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, we'll talk Turtles in Time, and then we'll finish up with the two new ones, uh, the two newer ones, I should say. Uh, anyway, very good. Are you ready, Phil? Let's do it. Hit play, uh, Turtle Power. All right, welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. This week we have the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Eastman. Kevin, welcome. Oh, so glad to be here, guys. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, we, um, man, I, I can't tell you, whenever Jared... Whenever Jared was telling us that uh, you were willing to come on, um, man, I'm telling you, your creation uh, was and is such a huge, uh, I don't know, how many people's childhoods <laughs> has what, what, you know, has your creation just like made? I'm telling you, man. Awesome. <laughs> well, th- well, first, thanks. Uh, you know, and I always thank uh fans like yourself and so many fans that we get to meet every every year my wife courtney and i we do about 12 to 15 shows a year and it's hard to believe that you know after the turtles will be 34 years old next year and it's hard to believe i still have such an awesome job and i always uh, uh pay my respects and awesome and incredible humbling thanks to all the fans that have given me this job because um, i am the luckiest guy in the world i Still to this day, I'm 55 years old. I get up and <laughs> you know get to draw comic books for a living. Awesome. My goodness, uh, it's a dream. It really is. Um, we were uh, just in doing kind of research for this uh, interview and just uh, just looking, you know, kind of in depth on on the old interweb. Your kind of what I glean your initial turtles drawing. Okay, and I think I listened to an interview where you said it was Michelangelo, basically, right? Yep, that's right. And so you show it, you show this to Peter Laird, and then I feel like all signs point to from that point on. Did this thing just go into turbo speed super mode? And, and did, <laughs> did it feel that way for you? Because it seems like it just went like instantly viral before there was a viral concept, obviously. But <laughs> well, you know, it, it you know relatively, it, it was definitely a very short period of time, and I in in in. And for me, I guess it was, you know, we, we self-published, you know, we, well, we did the first drawings in 1983. We drew the first comic book together, um, late 83, early 84. The first comic came out in 1984. And then, you know, um, I was still working, you know, a couple of jobs to pay the rent and the comic books was always the dream and the passion. But, um, it was, uh, when we solicited for issue two, which honestly, that's, why the first issue of the turtles is self-contained we never thought there'd be a second one so when we <laughs> had fans sort of writing saying hey I, I bought issue one i loved it when are you going to do another one so peter and i started working on issue two and then um when we get the orders for it in january of 1985 it was uh 15,000 copies the first issue was 3,000 uh, and then at 15,000 copies we figured through some quick calculations we could make enough money if we did six issues a year um, to pay our rent, eat all the macaroni and cheese we want, and Absolutely. draw comic books for a living. And pretty much since January of 1985, I've been drawing comic books. So that, to me, it just could not have gotten any better from that point on. And the fact that, you know, it went, um, you know, each issue sold more. By 1987, we were talking to people about doing cartoons and, yes. and toys, which we thought was a ludicrous idea. We didn't <laughs> think anybody would buy them. Um, and by 1988, we had a cartoon show on the air. The toys were on the shelves, and you know, two years later, we had a movie. Yeah, so it, you know, 
in a span of four years, um, we went from two guys cooking lobsters in a restaurant, drawing comic books, and uh, to uh, to having you know the number one toy line in the country, and that was mind blowing in every sense of the word. That's so cool. Um, so the current uh, the turtles currently are you guys are on IDW, is that correct? Yes, IDW is uh, my main job. My main passion has always been the comic books. And so I've been working with IDW since uh, 2011 on the new uh, Turtles comic series. Uh, we just hit issue 75. Thank you, fans. Um, and I also consult with uh, Nickelodeon on the cartoon show, uh, written a couple episodes, do a voice of Ice Cream Kitty. And I've done some consulting on that. Um, the most recent Turtle movies, which I know you guys love. So Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey now, hey sir. We can talk about the the most current movie. Phil and I were talking about this the other day. We went to the Chiefs game the other day, and on our way to the Chiefs game, we were talking about you and talking about the 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 most that most current Turtles movie. Uh, is it Out of Shadows? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Hey, it's got Bebop and Rocksteady in it. Steady in it. It's got Krang in it. It's got. I mean, it's got all the elements that people wanted in a Turtles movie for a long time. I, yeah, no, I, I right. like it. And Seamus is in it, and I love Seamus as a wrestler. He's awesome. <laughs> no, he, he is actually. It's, you know, it's funny. The one of the one of the first wrestling matches that we took our son Shane to. He's 11. Um, uh, he, we went to a, here. In, I live here in San Diego. We went to a, 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 a wrestling match because Seamus was there. Yeah, he, it's one of his. Fa- it was just one of his favorite guys. We've met him since, and he's. Not only the coolest guy, but the nicest person uh, cool. ever. Uh, but no, the, the the most recent movies. It's you know I always address them as, you know I, I consulted on them. Um, there were things that I thought that they did were great. I thought there were things that I would have done differently. Right. Uh, but but I'll definitely say that the second um, version that we finally get to see Bebop and Rocksteady on the big screen. We get to see uh, Krang. Um, it was definitely a great live action version of uh, the cartoons and paid great homage to the original cartoon series so right. uh, no it's just you know the turtles for me I, I just wish they hadn't been so big and bulletproof and stuff i would have done them more like <laughs> teenagers but there was um so i had some issues with it you gotcha yeah um phil uh producer phil is on and he absolutely loves the current run of the turtles um phil you have a, a couple questions for kevin yeah so um like, like Jack was saying, I just really like uh, my entry point into Turtles comics was IDW. I had never read any comics uh, about the Turtles before that that 2011 run, and <clears throat> I actually um, uh, have like I own a copy of like the first 12 issue story arc in um, like hardback form at home, and um, it was really stupid. I, I was actually I bought it and was gonna bring it to Planet Comic Con uh, when you were at Planet Comic Con in Kansas City and uh, ended up leaving it at home. And so like I was going to get an autograph <laughs> from you and then like I totally uh, didn't even bring it with us. So um, but anyways, I love that first story arc. Could you talk a little bit about your inspiration for like the reincarnation? Uh, I don't want to spoil the story for people who haven't read it, but like um, just um, the, the fact that 
the four turtles in Splinter are all family members. Like they, in a previous life, were you know father and sons. They, all these guys are literal brothers with each other. What's what kind of inspired that? I, that's um, one of my favorite story arcs of any comic of all time, and, and I, I really enjoyed reading it. I, I actually read it twice over the second time with my wife. So um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the inspiration for that story. Sure, and gladly. It's it's you know honestly, I, I put the the blame squarely on uh, Tom Waltz, who's the head writer. Who's, you know, I, when I I talk about him, um, I always say that I want to be Tom Waltz when I grow up because I think he's such a fantastic writer. Um, I really love his his take on the turtles, his handling of the turtles, and when um, uh, Viacom bought the turtles and were almost simultaneously launching, uh, developing and launching the new cartoon series, um, working on some of the movies, they. Um, um, uh, IDW contracted the rights to do the comics and Ted Adams who I've known one of the co-founders invited me down to meet the guys and wanted to talk about what they had planned and what they would like to do with the series um, and Tom Walls pitched me this idea which he kind of looked at all the different turtle universes from the original black and white comics uh, to the 2000 show which was one of his favorites and some of the isms and he sort of boiled it all down to two things one is putting his own sort of unique spin on it but still keeping all the important isms of the turtles, you know, the family first, family kind of makes up the, the most important dynamic of the stories, whether it be the ones that Peter and I did or the most recent IDW ones. And I just thought it was fantastic, um, the way he handled it, the way he wanted to roll it out. Um, and that's where I started my involvement as a consultant and then, you know, hands-on. Um, and I felt that, you know, the fans were either going to fall in love with it, um, like I did, uh, or they were going to, you know, hang us from the nearest tree. <laughs> um, um, but fortunately, no, the, they, they've embraced it. They, they find, they love what I love about it, which is the tonal, tonality of it, the edginess of it um, is very similar to, it's the closest you ever get to what Peter and I originally did. Um, but the way that we are able to, under Tom's new foundation in this new story um, concept, we can pull characters from in from all the different turtle universes whether it be and we've done that from the archie series from the cartoon series the 2000 series some of the movies um they all get to be rolled into and tweaked a little bit um you know paid respect to homage and and plus bring in lots of new characters so um i can't believe that we've just finished issue 75 um after all this years and tom you know tom and i and bobby kernow the series editor we conceptualize we plot and we pace out where we want to take the series and what we want to do with it. But Tom does all the heavy lifting, you know, the scripts, uh, issue to issue. And I just, I love the guy and I love the series. It's, it's hands down one of my favorites. Yeah. And if I could ask one other question about the series, I think, um, again, I really don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't had a chance to read them, but, um, I, I guess it was about a couple of years ago. Um, you guys made the decision to, to basically kill one of the turtles. Um, I, I won't go into the specifics of how that happened or even who it was, but uh, unless you don't care, but, um, but, uh, but, uh, how, how did that conversation come about and, and what was, um, what was the impetus kind of the moving force of saying yes to that? And, and yeah, let's, let's go down that, that very dark road that, you know, we really haven't, um, you know, progressed down before in, in the past. Well, it's it's a great question, and and you know definitely definitely keep reading the series. <laughs> no, because um you know I know it's I always say that um you know we didn't kill Donatello. Um, it was the internet that killed Donatello. And what, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and what I mean by that is um 
what's so beautiful about what we've been able to do with the series, you know, with the full support of Nickelodeon and, and, and tell some really edgy stories. Like in this, we did a, um, a seven issue run called City Fall, where Leonardo's turned to the dark, dark side and is convinced in his previous life and in this life he was he's Shredder's son and actually turns on the turtles to, uh, you know, different, you know, paths, you know, uh, Leatherhead, um, Rat King is a character, is this really evil, twisted version of him in our story. And so with Donatello, we, we were telling this really dynamic storyline, and it was important to stage a number of things leading up to issue 50, which is, you know, such an incredible double issue that sort of wraps up all of the previous 49 issues in that one issue, and it's it's pretty dynamic. We won this moment where we looked as if we killed Donatello. Um, we did not. <laughs> he was just yeah. severely beaten and then put in the consciousness of Metalhead and all that. But it was, uh, but people, you know, still, I've been, you know, for the next year, people were coming up and, and they said, I stopped reading the series because you killed Donatello. And I'm like, we didn't, we didn't. You have to keep reading. And, and it said two <laughs> things. You know, one, the most important part was, uh, my goodness, you fans we really care about what we've been doing in the series and that if we can create an emotion like that that you know um takes you to that place um it, it it's humbling it's it's an honor that you know that you are so passionate about the stories that you know you really felt that we you know we told a great story and you and you fell for it i guess um, <laughs> um but no um you know by issue 50 he was he was back and, and it would be heartbreak i don't think i could you know i had you know, a story in mind, actually, Peter and I had a story in mind, you know, which we call the last turtle story. It's something that we came up with many, many years ago and, and have never finished the script or, or finished the work. But it was, uh, you know, when you start going down that path, it's pretty heartbreaking to uh, think you ever want to do away with one of your characters. And, and I never would want to be one of those, you know, the death of Superman where we kill a character and then bring it back in 10 different forms or something. You know? So um, we appreciate that you guys care about them as much as we do. Yeah. Hey, uh, Kevin, we have a friend of the show whose name is uh, Jerry McMullen. And Jerry is the host, one of the hosts of the worst comic podcast ever. Uh, and we've collaborated with him a few times. I feel like you guys may have collaborated a little bit at maybe Planet Comic Con this last year in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. and he sent over a few questions, and they are hard hitting questions. Here's number one, Kevin. Uh, there's been a ton of Turtles merchandise over the years. What is the oddest product that has ever sported the TMNT logo? Man, that's um, there were a few. <laughs> I won't lie, um, and it's and it's funny when I bring this up because a lot of fans actually really liked it. But they did these. Um, um, to me, it just looked gross, and it was um, it tasted funky. They did these turtle moon pies. It was like a oh. half moon pastry that had this um, yeah. green filling with green frosting on it. Oh my god. And it just looked like something that had spoiled yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, that was probably one. And actually, I put the turtle cereal in the same category. It was like, you know, sugar-covered wheat checks with uh, um, uh, marshmallow, yes. different colored marshmallow ninja weapons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for the food stuff, that was that was definitely it. Some of the toys I thought were pretty, pretty, you know, Mutagen Man and Pizza Face and some of those uh, were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty awesome. But I think the... The weirder ones, I like them better. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be the turtle moon pies. That was the one that was was seen the grossest. <laughs> um, okay, so here's another one. Part of the mystique of TMNT when it debuted was there was just little, there was so little information 
on the title, like when it first, when you guys first created it. And the only way people could get info on it was literally to buy it and to read it. Can, can an indie book like, like that break through in today's current market? Is there a shot of that happening again? Well, I think that, you know, what's so awesome about um, what has changed so much with the Internet and, and so many ways to communicate globally is, you know, the, in, the, in the social places you can do that. But um, I think you can today you can introduce a character or characters. You can um, publish digitally. You can reach a lot more people at very little or no cost besides your personal investment in time and um, and. Uh, you know, sweat equity into it. Um, but you're, you're right. I mean, I think it was for us, uh, it was it was a whole different, you know, there, were, there weren't cell phones, internet, anything like that. Right. And it was we sold specifically only through comic book stores. So the only place you could find um, the Turtles comic book is if you went and wandered into your local neighborhood um, or drove to your local neighborhood uh, comic store and put down a dollar fifty, and which is, you know, 33 years ago. That's a lot of cash. Still right. is, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's the only way you could do it. It was word of mouth, and and that's what built the the franchise. Um, but yeah, this hope I think, and I see a lot of you know really talented young people with great ideas, and they're getting out there. They're self publishing. It's mostly digital, um, building an audience before they can go into the the full on publishing thing. But I'm very inspired by the the talent. Um, they're all you know. Um, Thirty years younger than I am, and draw better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's a here's a really a really tough one. Fa- what's your favorite pizza topping, and uh, is there anything that shouldn't go on a pizza, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you know I always used to laugh at the um, some of the in, the in the late '80s, early '90s cartoon the the different kinds of you know the anchovy and jelly bean pizza and something else and something else, but. Uh, those that just seem disgusting. Um, but my my favorite, actually, our family favorite um, uh, pizza is uh, Hawaiian pizza with jalapenos on it. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, you should definitely try it. I it's will. Uh, my wife, Courtney, Courtney's dad, um, loves the uh, you know the ham and the pineapple and the whole thing, but just throwing the jalapenos on there, man, it's just it kicks it into a whole other level. Okay, okay here's uh, one last one from from Jerry McMullen. How hard is it to give up creative control on? Uh, your characters, especially when you sign them, basically signing any over uh, for the for movies or you know for an animated show. How hard is it for you to give up that creative control? Well, you know we were so spoiled in the early days where, you know, the first you know I guess fifteen to twenty years of the turtles pretty much from nineteen eighty seven um, through the late nineties um, mid nineties ish. Um, Peter and I pretty much had complete say. We worked on, you know, uh, we had complete and final say. I mean, we worked on all 300 cartoon episodes, the original episodes, all the movies. Um, we oversaw every aspect of our creation, and, you know, before any anybody out there in the public saw anything with a turtle on it or read anything, um, we saw it, worked on it, and, and had a hand in it. Um, but we were also used to, um, you know, when uh, growing up reading comic books, say if you were a fan of, I don't know, the Avengers or X-Men, Different creative teams would come in and out. Some you liked better than others. Um, some you didn't like as much, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we let go of the turtles, we had already spent 15, 20 years having our say, building this foundation of what you know built the turtle universe. And there's been um, turtle projects that have come out since we sold the rights many years ago. Some that I've liked more, some that I've liked less. But um, I'm just happy that a lot of people that have taken a shot at the turtles, um, you know 
have kept that heart and soul. I think that we, the family aspect, the heart and soul of what we built around the characters, and that seems to always be, you know, present in the in the projects, even if the projects themselves could have been a little bit stronger. Or, or I look at it as something I would have done differently. But then again, I'm 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 happy um, with it, and I'm comfortable with it, and you know, I'm grateful for. You know, guys like Ciro Neely, who heads up the Nickelodeon cartoon series, which I love. Ciro grew up in uh, Philadelphia. His dad owned a pizza place. He grew up eating pizza and drawing turtles. And now he's, it couldn't have been a better guy to, um, you know, head up the creative development of the Nickelodeon cartoon series. And Tom Waltz, who grew up as a turtle fan, um, they, they put their, you know, passion and their love of the characters before they got a chance to do it. And they're putting it all, taking it all home the right way. So I'm very proud of them. Awesome. So uh, we are a movie podcast. We've talked about this, and uh, I'll say this. I'm going to ask you this. What do you think of the Turtles movies in general? And and I'm just saying from a standpoint of um, the goods part, the bads part. There, Hey, I'm telling you right now, Kevin, in 1990 when that first one, that, the Net Turtles movie came out, dude, I bought that VHS. I'm getting the, I'm not sure if it was Domino's or Pizza Hut. Who did the who was the franchise that got the pizza deal on that one? I think, you know, it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was Domino's because they had the Domino's delivery scene in the first movie. Yes. And that and that was, you know, <laughs> you know we, we corrupted a lot of um, kids to eat more and more pizza thanks to the turtles. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Kevin, for that. I haven't stopped eating pizza since. I know, well, I'm telling you, you know, I, you know, I eat pizza a couple times a week, so I'm in the same position, buddy. And uh, you know my favorite pizza now, but um, well, I no, blame, I, look, I blame you for my obesity. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? We're in good company, my friend. Um, the, uh, you know, by far, hands down, uh, my favorite and the favorite, um, my favorite turtle movie of all time will be that first turtle movie, Steve Barron directing. Uh, Todd Langdon writing, Jim Henson doing the creatures. Um, absolutely loved it. It was, um, you know, a dream come true that, you know, it's one thing to have a comic book or a cartoon uh, and a toy. Those are definitely completely different mediums. But to bring those characters to life on the big screen was was mind bending. And the, the team that they had to pull together to do it was um, was was beyond perfect. Um, you know, the second movie, Secret of the Ooze, um, the script was uh, a bit different and a little bit edgier. Um, it ended up being a bit more of a live-action cartoon than I would have liked, but um, it, it ends up being one of the, you know, the fans really like The Secret of the Ooze. Um, <laughs> I like it less than the first one, of course. Um, and actually, I like the third Turtle movie, uh, Turtles in Time, but a lot of fans like that the least, but I put that as sort of my second favorite. Cool. But, you know, going through the 2007 uh, Kevin Monroe animated film was yeah. fantastic. Um, that you know, battle scene on the rooftop um, with Leo and Ralph was fantastic. Um, a little unknown directed video, directed DVD. One of my favorites is Turtles Forever, mm. which is the cartoon turtles with the 2000 turtles. Um, they go back in, in time and meet the original black and white turtles. Which oh, is wow. Cool. Wow. Turtles Forever, you should check it out. And um, yeah, and then right up to the most recent ones again, which um, there's some great stuff in there. There's some stuff that um, I would have done a little bit differently, but um, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff to be found in them as well. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any, anything else you want to uh, tell our fine our fine audience or anybody? 
Well, nothing beyond. I had a great time sitting, hanging out with you guys, chatting. Uh, we have to have me back, and we'll talk about bad movies because I love my good bad movies. Um, so invite me back. We'll talk some more. Okay. Um, thank the fans for the support of uh, Turtles of these last uh, 34 years. Yes. Let me wow. adjust my depends and thank you again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, respect and appreciate it, and you guys are awesome. Thank you. Kevin, thank you. Hey, seriously, thank you so much. It's all, all, all of our pleasure. Trust me, brother. Um, Thanks, man, and tell you anything we can ever do. If we run into each other at uh, a comic book convention, we need to, you know, I'll give you a big high five. How about that? Yes, and, and Phil, you can bring the book that in next time so I can sign it for you. Definitely will. All right. All right. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much, sir. Well, Phil, what a phenomenal uh, conversation we had with Kevin. Uh, I am pumped for you to walk up to him at Planet Comic Con this year in 2019 <laughs> and to say to him, hey, Kevin, I brought it. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. Who are Who you? Are you? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm just excited to finally get that, that autograph. I cannot believe that I bought that thing. I, I, I forget what I paid for it, but it was not cheap. It was the first 12 issues of that first story arc with IDW. Uh, hardback, bound, uh, trade, you know, trade hardback is what it is. Um, really nice set. And I, I left it stinking at home and, and drove all the way to, up to Kansas City. I don't even think I rem- remembered that I had left it until we got there. Well, you so, will not forget it again. No, I, I, I'm, I've written myself a reminder. I will not forget it this time. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Um, my takeaways, when I think back to that conversation, I think about, I think about talking to someone that unbelievable. Like this is someone who created an iconic brand, um, iconic characters. Um, I'm just amazed on this show. You know, uh, talking to people like that. Listening back to that interview, it, it made me realize because at one point you said, you know, how many people's uh, growing up days are, you know, are grounded in the turtles. You know, that 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 is so much. It's it's almost impossible for people to think about their Halloween costumes growing up or their toys growing up without thinking about the turtles. But I honestly, I would go even a step further and say like if you didn't grow up watching turtles on TV, if you didn't collect the toys, if you didn't read the comics, if you, if you've never seen any of the movies, you still know who the turtles are. They're, they're in a, they're in the public consciousness in a way where it's ubiquitous, no matter what your exposure, even if you have no direct exposure, some kid somewhere has shown you a turtle at some point, like you know what the, who the turtles are. Well, and you think about, um, everyone knows who Mario is. Right, uh, right. Everyone knows a pack like Pac-Man. Everyone knows, you know. Yeah. And the turtles are in that same boat. I mean, and it's just a, it's just an unbelievable. Uh, so, like to, unbelievable to draw to draw like an apples to apples comparison, when the Guardians of the Galaxy movie was announced, people were like, Guard- "Guardians of the who? Like Guardians of the what? Like who are these people? I've never heard of Drax. I've never heard of Gamora. These are normal, you know, everyday characters to, especially to comic book fans and movie fans now. But when they announced Guardians, no one had ever heard of them. Uh, Turtles ha- will never be that. Like it, it, it will always be public public consciousness in, in my mind. So. Well, right. I mean, and um, just crazy. And, and the my, my favorite part of Kevin's story is that uh, he created like what two of those things, three three of the actual books. Uh, he he and Baird made this made those the, the two or three things, and then by the fourth one, he essentially is selling it, or, or he's getting all these offers, and he is 
they're, they're turning this into the turtles that we all know. So it was like they were making that cartoon. They were starting to make toys. And then he started having to go back and flush out the actual comic line and create more product. And he was smart about keeping control of it. I mean, they were, they were, they, he and Baird were very smart about let's keep control of it as long as we can because once we sell outright, hey, it's over. I mean, you know, it's all out of the box. So, uh, folks, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the Turtles movies, uh, our enjoyment of them, and uh, other great stuff. We'll see you in a second. Well, welcome back. And um, we're, uh, we've, we had a great uh, interview for, with uh, Kevin Eastman, creator, uh, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, to start this show. And now we're going to talk, Phil, about the Turtles movies. Um, what's your first recollection of the Turtles movies, Phil? Um, I, I'm almost positive I saw even the first one in theaters. Um, do you have the the years up? Nineteen ninety is when it came out in theaters. Okay. Uh, directed by Steve Barron, and uh, it is a classic. The cover, folks, if you want to look it up, it just it's just called the, the uh, it's just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It came out in nineteen ninety, and the uh, poster, I say cover, the movie poster is iconic. It's just a beautiful uh, poster. That uh, uh, you've seen it, the turtles are peeking out from under a, a manhole cover there in Manhattan, oh, and yeah. it's just phenomenal. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, Kevin Eastman talked about it in the interview, but I, I'd forgotten it was like Jim Henson, like it was his, you know, Muppet creating studio that that created these suits for these guys to wear and everything like that. And you can tell, like, you go back and look at screenshots of the original movie, and you're like. Yeah, like that's high quality stuff. It looked really good. You're you're Kevin Eastman, and you still have a uh, even up to the point where they were making the movies. He still had a lot of ownership in the Turtles franchise. Phil, uh, that first Turtles movie had a budget of thirteen point five million dollars, and it made at the box office two hundred and two million dollars. Wow. So, I mean, and that's a hundred and what eighty seven million dollars. Wow, that's a lot. That's amazing. On the profit side. And you're right, uh, Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop. Uh, and this is actually one of Henson's last uh, things he did before he passed away. Okay, yeah. Kind of wow. a, really on the pantheon of things that they did. Uh, but anyway, uh, good stuff. Uh, I enjoyed this movie. Did you like this movie when it when, when you watched it? Oh yeah, I I think probably just about everybody did. I'm I the show was like at the at its peak, like uh, you know throughout the late '80s, it had had just gotten like more and more steam, and it just like launched at the end of the, of that and or in the middle of that, I guess. And um, like literally everyone I knew went to go see this movie. I, I didn't know anybody at school that that hadn't seen it. We so. bought this uh, in a rare in a rare move. My parents bought um, the VCR the VCR tape the year before for uh, Batman, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman, and they bought this uh, VCR tape as well. And inside this VCR tape was a coupon, and I cannot remember because I saw an article about it a couple years ago. It was a uh, inside this VCR it was a coupon. For either a Domino's pizza or a, and it may have been like a personal made pizza for a Pizza Hut. I can't one of the two, but you got a great deal on a pizza <laughs> if you bought this thing. Can, and I remember us using that coupon. 
Kevin Eastman in the interview said he he thinks it was Domino's because there's actual like a Domino's logo in the movie itself. Like Love they it. like they probably paid for that like um product placement as well as, you know, the the in real life <laughs> ads. So very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, um I was just looking up the second movie. I did not remember that the second movie came out literally the next year in nineteen ninety one. How's that possible? Um, I do not know. Let's uh, take a look at the Secret <laughs> of the Ooze. Um, now, Secret of the Ooze. When I was uh, of you know the age when this came out, uh, they had two. Shredder has two minions in it, and I remember thinking, "Oh, this is going to be Bebop and Rocksteady." Sure. And it was Toka and Razar. <laughs> Were those made up characters for the movie? Just for the movie, and uh, they were mu- they, they were mutated just like the turtles were. Only they were these uh, creatures that were really really rough, um, and it was quite a. Uh, the, it's just a really weird thing, how fast, like you said, uh, the turnaround was for this movie. Um, the I filming th- took place like li- literally when I'm reading here, like immediately they just turned around and just started shooting. Like right after the first one released, is that was that the the window? I mean, basically, uh, I, I, they just turned around and just started to. I mean, they took about they took a few months off and then turned around and started making this next one. The budget on this one uh, is a paltry uh, twenty five million dollars. So the budget went up by twelve million, but this one made far less made 78 million dollars the second one secret of the ooze but what's the most iconic thing about the secret of the ooze phil go ninja go ninja go yeah go ninja go ninja go and then uh that was the uh vanilla ice in in uh, vanilla ice in the movie i said the vanilla ice like grandpa the the vanilla ice in the movie i remember liking the movie but thinking like being very disappointed that it was characters that i didn't know like, and you you mentioned that in the interview when we were talking to Kevin Eastman, but like it took five. It was the fifth movie that we finally got to see Bebop and Rock City on the big screen, and, and that was a disappointment. Even though yeah. uh, that, that it took that long, not the movie, but it was a disappointment that it took that long. But um, Rocksteady was uh, isn't that Seamus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, WWE Seamus. So yeah, it was so cool to see them in that in the Into the Shadows or from the Shadows. The, the recent, uh, most recent TMNT movie. Um, but yeah, they definitely should have been in the second one <laughs> back in 1991. Now, I will say this. Uh, I'm reading here in the in the cartoon series. In 1987, Toka and Razar actually appear in the 87 cartoon, the seventh season okay. of the 87 cartoon. So I don't know the exact uh, uh, situation, but anyway. Yeah, definitely lesser known characters than the, the big two. So, yeah, I don't understand why they uh, why they featured them in that situation. <laughs> so, uh, then we move on to the one movie that is a turtles movie that we actually, in fact, did have on our show, uh, and it was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, Turtles in Time. Well, I think Turtles in Time is is our edition. I don't think that's actually part of the title, is it? I, mean, uh, I think. Let's... I think... I think most people know of, know of it that way, but the, I think they're recalling the Turtles in Time video game, like the I arcade think game. You are, um, I think you are feeling the Mandela the Mandela effect. Have you heard of this theory? <laughs> no. What is that? 
that we um, we remember things that actually aren't the way they are, but we swear that they are. Uh, that that that's how it worked. But then you find out that's not really like the Bernstein Bears are actually spelled like the what the Bernstein Bears. Bernstein, yeah, yeah, and it's like this weird thing. Anyway, Mandela effect. But you're, I think you're right. I hate to say it. I hate to, oh, I hate to give you any credit. Uh, but yeah, the, the te- te- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, there was an, ar- ar- an arcade game. game. Yeah, an ar- arcade game called Turtles in Time, uh, and it also came to Super Nintendo. Yeah, and had, did you play the Super Nintendo version of Turtles in Time? I played both. Yeah. So, so Turtles Three, the movie, is is basically Turtles in Time, but now I will say the tagline on the movie on the box: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Three, the turtles are back in time. <laughs> That's what it says. It's a good tagline. So I can see the confusion. I can see the confusion. Uh, and like us, like we said on the stuff on the previous interview we had here, um, Kevin Eastman said that this was this is a movie he enjoyed. Second favorite Turtles movie. I think that's that was my impression, my interpretation of what he said. He didn't really give a score on the second movie, the one that we just talked about, but uh, he did say that he actually really likes the third one. Like it's it's one of his faves. So okay. I I I can't help but disagree a little bit i you know we watched it for for our own podcast and did it on on one of our earlier episodes um that that movie's not good like i and I, it, it really um i think what he liked about it was um how innovative it was like it's um it's not like the show in a lot of ways but that the, the same things the same reasons that he that he would give as like pros for the movie, I would give as cons. Um, I, I really wanted that movie to introduce, you know, maybe some different characters from the show or, uh, you know, develop some plot lines that I was familiar with. And it just went complete AWOL in my opinion. Like that, that plot is it literally contains no recognizable characters from any TV show episode or any comic book. And basically the entire movie takes place in the past for very little reason and um it a lot of the the comedy falls flat a lot of the uh physical comedy just isn't funny um and i mean it's all of, all of your tropey type stuff when you, when you think of the turtles like pizza or cowabunga dude or whatever <laughs> like none of that stuff exists in this movie it's just it's a really out weird outlier well and um like you had said it it does take them on a little bit of a different adventure and that may be what Kevin was is saying that it's it takes that the characters that he created in a totally kind of different way than they have ever been taken. So that's kind of fun. Uh, Turtles three had a twenty one million dollar budget, and it made forty two million dollars at the box office. So it did turn a profit. Yeah, I'm amazed that it that it actually profited. They didn't make any more more movies after that one. I, I think the re- the critical reception was just way too low. It currently right. has a twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's pretty low. That's pretty low. Well, then we then we are dormant of turtles until now. There was an animated TMNT. Did you ever watch it? I, you know, I've never seen that one. Um, I've heard really good things about it. I, I I honestly I don't think I've seen it either. No, I have not seen it either. But anyway, it has. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne narrates it. Oh wow! Patrick Patrick Stewart does voices in it. Kevin Smith does voices in it. Um, Chris Evans as a voice actor in it. So and there are a lot of people. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Wow. Is in it. So oh, this is uh, Chris are, Evans before he was Chris Evans. 
Right, right. So, but still, pretty cool. Yeah, that's right? that's cool. Uh, but again, I have not seen that one. But then you're moving on. So then we're basically until we get to the next live action. That was a completely computer animated movie. Uh, the next live action uh, movie comes uh, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, complete reboot. Um, Kevin had said that he didn't have as much to do with these. Is that correct? Yeah, I think he consults on all the movies, uh, even the yeah. most the most recent two movies. Uh, my, my just reading in between the lines from what he said, it, it struck me as though he was he was very hands off with it. Like I think he consulted and helped them with a few details or some lines here and there. I doubt that he was like on set like co directing or anything like that. I I feel like he was probably offset for a lot of it. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is produced by Michael Bay, the Michael Bay, who brought you such movies as uh, the uh, as the uh, Megan Fox show, <laughs> and the other the other one where we uh, have robots with Megan Fox. Uh, all those great movies you know and love. <laughs> uh, Will Arnett is in this one. Megan Fox is in this one. Um, By the way, I love with, I love Will Arnett in the, in these movies. He's in both of them. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's really he's good. Phenomenal. Yeah, Danny Woodburn is in it, and a cast of thousands. But um, like I said, Michael Bay can't go wrong with Michael Bay. Uh, a budget fill of a hundred and twenty five million dollars. That's standard fare for this kind of kind of film. And its box office haul was four hundred ninety three million dollars. Yeah, it, it made almost a half a billion dollars. This movie was hugely successful in the box office. Did you did you like this movie? I liked it. Yeah, I, that's not a popular opinion, but I, I liked it. I I, um, think, I feel like a lot of people have trouble with the CGI, most especially. And and Kevin Eastman talked about that in the interview. That that was the one thing that really rubbed him the wrong way, but. I, honestly, I like the CGI. Um, there's, it's a bold move to make them like towering monster type figures. Like they're like seven, seven feet tall or six and a half foot, foot, foot tall, huge turtles, and that's not really who they are. They're more teenagers in the original series. But I was totally okay with that. Um, even having grown up with all the original material, um, I, I thought all the voice acting for the turtles was phenomenal. Like, I, I think they really. Uh, captured the essence of like the differentiation of of the different characters perfectly. Uh, Megan Fox is Meg as um, uh, April. Eh, okay, I mean she wasn't terrible, but she's just not my favorite actress. Um, but I mean Splinter training them. You got to see the origin story in a new way. Um, you know the the ending of the movie. You, you get to see the like them in the tur turtle van. There's some like you know, um, nostalgia kind of fan, uh, you know, fan pleasing type stuff that took place. I, I thought the movie was, was good. So not great, but good. Um, and then, um, I actually enjoyed the second one more because of the people that were in it. Yeah, I did too. Um, out of shadows, turtles out of teenage mutant ninja turtles, sorry, out of shadows. Um, your thoughts on this one? I loved it, man. I, I I liked it better than the first one, even. Um, this is the addition again. We finally get to see Be Bebop and Rocksteady on the on the big screen. Um, I even loved Crane. Uh, I loved 
uh, seeing Shredder and honestly, like I really even liked Shredder's suit a lot. I, I, I'm sure that's probably a polarizing opinion, but, um, like he did this thing where like he could like throw knives and then like, uh, snap, yeah, like snap him back into his, his gauntlets and stuff like that. Um, yeah. the, the CGI work, the, the scale of it, like they were like, you know, taking down like buildings in New York city and stuff like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I know like, like sit pop and other other movie review podcasts and shows have said you know it's just not a good movie but i couldn't disagree more i i actually had a lot of fun with it uh i've seen it more than once so i and i would see it again okay so and in this one uh a really cool aspect we get megan fox again we get will arnett again but we also get Stephen amell in, uh from uh cw's arrow yeah in technically his biggest movie i mean biggest movie role before then and since right yeah uh and then we get seamus who i love um who my son miller loves and uh seamus uh kevin eastman in our interview even said how nice of a person seamus was that kevin took his son to a uh wwe event and seamus couldn't have been nicer uh so and tony shalhoub is also in this too so kind of a cast of uh cast of a lot of folks you know uh it was uh released may the or june the 3rd 2016 a budget of 135 million oh i say only but it made 240 245 million at the box office so not as big of a haul as they probably wanted not as big as the first movie either so right definitely a thing there if you haven't, um, if you haven't seen the movie you at least need to try to find on youtube the uh, this snow scene. There's like a, a scene where like they're basically like driving down a, a mountain full of snow. It's amazing. It's it's some of the best CGI I've seen. It's a really cool scene. Yeah, yeah. and you know, uh, re just reading online here, uh, as of 2018 in June, uh, Paramount Pictures is talking about rebooting, um, rebooting and thing again with Michael Bay uh, at the helm once again, uh, and we shall see. Uh, it's set to uh, start the reboot in 2019. So, uh, very good. Turtles, though. I love the Turtles. And that, that second movie uh, of the new ones in 2016 was great to see Bebop and Rocksteady. Two great characters. And I thought those actors, honestly, Seamus uh, did a great job uh, in in the in that. And uh, it was it was a, a really good uh, really good job. Gary Anthony Williams played Bebop. I wanted to include him in there, too. So, And you got Brad Garrett. Uh, Ray, Ray Romano's brother on Everybody Loves Raymond as Crank. Oh yeah, that's right. I for, yeah, I forgot he was that. I, I if it, I, I do hope they make a third one. I hope. Um, I know this sounds terrible, but I'd be totally okay if they replaced the casting on on April. Um, I, I'd love to see a redhead in the role. Um, and uh, maybe go back to their roots a little bit with some of the, um, the plots. I'd love to see the um, what are those like metallic dog. Uh, creatures. Um, oh, what were those? Mausers. Mausers. I love. I'd love to see some Mausers and stuff like that in the third one. I, I'm. I'm on board, man. Cool. All right. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. We shall see you down the road. Uh, remember, uh, if you want to see Kevin Eastman, he's going to be at Planet Comic Con, uh, March the late the end of March. It's 29th, the last the last weekend of March. Yeah. 29th, 30th, 31st, uh, and uh, in Kansas City. Go see Kevin Eastman. Tell them the whole movie podcast engine. And we're, and we're going right. to be there. I um I don't know if it's time to announce anything. Yeah, we're going to panel on Sunday this year. Okay. Uh, 3.30 on Sunday. So. Okay. Good panel. So, exciting. Superman 3. 
yeah cool. superman 3 cool so, excellent thanks phil uh thanks everybody else for tuning in we'll see you soon just remember just because from hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible see ya the Horror Movie Podcast is heard weekly on great stations like 88.1 KZ88, South Central Missouri's Public Radio, 104.1 Caps Media in Ventura, California, 103.5 WADR, Janesville, Wisconsin, and 105.5 KFGM, Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula. The Horror Movie Podcast is available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at the thehorrormoviepodcast.com.